Welcome to the 99 Topics for the CCFP Exam podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Brady Bouchard. Dr. Brady Bouchard. Hey, Mike, how's it going? Not too bad, not too bad. Keeping it real? Always keeping it real. What are we talking about tonight? I want to, you know what? I want to give a plug. I want to okay. give a plug. Go Can for I get it. A plug? You're not going to edit this, right? I will not. I promise. I want everybody to check this out. The Gem Podcast by one of the coolest people on the planet, Dr. Aaron Rothstein. Fantastic podcast. I want everybody to listen to it. Aaron Rothstein, eh? Very awesome guy and produces a fantastic podcast called Generalist Med. Awesome. Where's Dr. Rothstein uh, based out of? He's in the metropolis of where, Dr. Brady Bouchard? Of Toronto? Oh, he's from the metropolis of Sioux Lookout. Fantastic guy. And he produces an awesome um, um, an awesome podcast and stuff. Generalist Med. Everybody have a listen. Sounds good, man. That's a good plug. So what are we talking about to, on, this fine, on this fine evening, Dr. Brady? Uh, infertility, I think, eh? You know what? A very important topic. And one of the 100 topics... And a super important, um, um, a really, really important topic. And I'm glad we're giving it the time it deserves. Yeah, I think this is another one of those topics that, um, at least in uh, my residency, we didn't really touch on all that much. Very good. And, you know, I agree. In my residency, it was kind of like, oh, infertility. That's like the, you know, two minutes before the exam. Let's have a quick read of the page in the LMCC part. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Um, 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 but it's such an important topic, right? But I agree with you yeah. totally. It's not something I find that, you know, I'm, I'm not sure of residency programs, you, you know, but I'm, I, I'm, I'm fine. It's not something I found that residency programs cover. Um, um, in too you know, much in, depth. So, yeah. And you know what? It's a really important point too. And I think it's, 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 um, for rural medicine, especially, um, because remember, like, it's can be difficult physically to get patients to fertility specialists, right? So yeah, if you could sure. do some of that workup, you know what I mean? Close to home. And I find oftentimes too, you're able to do that workup close to home and often able to actually solve issues, right? You know what I mean? And, and because think about it, you know, fertility clinics, they can sometimes have a long waiting list. And for our patients, it means hours of travel, right? And probably a yeah. few days off work and those types of things. So if we can get and set up patients, right? Um, and have a, and have a good approach, you know, maybe we can save some consults, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I think I, I mean, there's, there's lots of topics like that where I think there's a few basic things um, that family docs should know around specifically like when to refer. I think that's a good thing that everybody should have in their head for these topics where you don't otherwise really cover it in residency or maybe even yeah. deal with it that often. Um, yeah. And then like just even the, the first line investigations, if you can do those exactly. kind of two things, then at least the specialist is getting a referral that's Exactly. Appropriate, and they have the information they need, and the patient's exactly. not wasting their time traveling. Exactly, and I always tell I always tell the residents too, like whenever you write a referral to a specialist, always have a clinical question, right? Like, yeah. don't just have it where it's like, "Gah," you know what I mean? Like, you write a referral yeah. like this person just has shortness of breath, and it's like, whatever, you know, <laughs> yeah. breath is means lung, lungs means respirologist, and you're a respirologist, so here you go, right? Like, when we refer people to our specialist colleagues, try to avoid the "I have no idea," but I don't even want to, like, I don't want to work up, I don't want to order anything, I don't want to do any test or investigation. Avoid 
avoid that, right? Yeah, you that consultation is kind of like the alley oop in basketball, right? Yeah. It's all about the setup, right? Um, uh, um, it's all about the um, it's all about the setup, right? So try to see and when you're referring people, I always say, what is your clinical question? Like, what is the question that you hope to get asked, or what is the intervention that you think that they might do, right? Like when exactly. I give my talk, for example, like for nephrologists, it's like when you ask a nephrologist, what can a nephrologist do? Well, they can do dialysis. That's something that we can't do. They yep. can do immunosuppression, right? Which is something that we can't do, right? At least initiate, right? Yep, um, 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 so they can do dialysis. They can do immunosuppression, right? Um, um, and they can do a renal biopsy, right? Yep. That is something that we can't physically do. So when you're kind of referring, kind of ask yourself, well, what's the question am I hoping to get answered? Is it biopsy? Is it dialysis? Or is it immunosuppression, right? And kind of set up the patient so that the, the that the, it's almost helping out the nephrologist because I'll tell you this, I've had, you know, a lot of patients tell me, this, I don't want to go to see somebody who's going to say, let's do this piece of blood work and then I'll get back to you in a month, right? Because it yeah. wasn't ordered, right? You want to kind of avoid that, right? You want to kind of get people where they have as much information as possible to make a decision. Yeah, there's going to be sometimes where you're like, I have no idea even when to start. But a lot of times though, Brady, you have to admit, it's like, okay, this person has heart failure and I may refer them to cardiology, but what am I referring them for? What's your specific question? Is it for ICD consideration? Is it for CRT consideration? Is it to help with medication management, right? I, I think if you have a specific question that helps the the procedure side is great and i think that's a great threshold for knowing when to refer um for each of these specialties but the other one that at least here our specialists are pretty okay with um just a non-urgent question period they don't even need yeah. to see the patient but exactly. i'll just write them a short note being like hey this guy's got an egfr of 30 which is kind of a critical threshold for some things yeah can you answer about this drug or exactly what or you know yeah. and i'll just write back a quick note being like yep yeah you keep on going with the drug. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So it's kind of like there's e-consultations, um, but there could also be, um, yeah, there's all, there's e-consultations, but you can also um, have sort of e-opinions as well too, right? Like giving your yeah. special colleagues a call to kind of say, you know what, like what is actually going on, right? Like, or, yeah. or what, is this approach still reasonable given this patient? Because a lot of times I find that we have an idea, but we just kind of like, we have an idea about what might need to happen, right? Um, it's often like reassurance, right? And saying, yeah, you know, you're on the right track, right? Or yes, this medication is a good idea or still is a good idea, right? But check X, Y, and Z, and this is your frequency of doing that. So I find that when you refer and you have that specific question, it takes it out of the oh my God, I have no idea what's going on. And it's like, the patient is like a hot potato, right? So, you know, yeah. I'm just trying to make my problem somebody else's problem as fast as it possibly can be, right? Exactly. Instead of being, okay, let's work together to kind of see as best as we can, work up this patient um, um, so that we can provide the best possible care. Yeah, Isn't exactly. Isn't Brady Bouchard? It's beautiful. And in the, in the context of infertility that we're getting around to talking about, um, you know, those are, those are good points to keep in mind. So most non-invasive investigations we can do ahead of time. Exactly. Uh, we, we can do ultrasounds. We can do hormone profiles. Yeah. Um, some family docs are okay with starting basic hormones like clomiphene. Some are. Yeah, exactly. Um, but in general, the hormone treatments are the specialist. Uh, everything else you can do leading up to that point. And then, you know, you exactly. give a nice package to the specialist being like, I've looked at male factors, female factors. Male factors. This is what I think is going on, you know. There you go. Exactly. That's a wonderful encapsulation, Brady Bouchard. Yeah. You're the encapsulator now. You just encapsulate knowledge. You're like knowledge porn. Like, leave that in. You oh are my knowledge God. porn. Like, <laughs> oh seriously. Like, you're knowledge porn, Brady. 
you're really that taking that awesome, to a new right? level. That's, that's not your new a, that, name now. You better that, leave this in the podcast. That's not a good quote. <laughs> no, Brady, knowledge porn Bouchard. Nice. Okay. Lovely. Your knowledge porn, right? Okay. Yeah. So infertility. I love that little approach, right? So yeah. of course you have. So again, different time frames um, right. is, is when we establish that there's a problem, right? Because right. I find that that's a common question. People are like, oh my God, I've been trying for a month and nothing has happened, right? Yeah. You know what I mean? So what time frames do you hear about Brady Bouchard and stuff as, as, in terms of infertility being now something that we look into, right? Exactly. And I think that's probably honestly out of this whole topic. Uh, if you know the time frames, that's half the job exactly. because you're saving the unnecessary specialist consultation because I think it's a pretty common question, or at least it's a pretty common question I get from couples and certainly nervous couples, but often it's just reassurance. So that, exactly. So the, so the timelines are in general a year. Exactly. So a year of trying. Exactly. And you have to specify to people, it's not like a year, how many times, oh, I was away for seven and a half months and, you know, I was yeah. only there for two days. And I can, exactly. you understand, like, you have to get a bit of that history as well, too. But it's yeah. usually a year of consistent trying, right? Exactly. Um, after, and I find that with patients, that's the big thing. It's like, oh, man, we're trying to have a baby and we've been trying for all of two months and I want all these investigations done, right? Like, I want, you know, I want my FSH day three. You know what I mean? I want to say, you know, I want a 21-day progesterone level. And it's like, whoa, you know what I mean? And stuff. Like, just kind of consider that. And I find that even with doing that, it's just like, wow, really? A year? You know? And you'd be shocked. Like, I would probably say 80% of the time, people conceive within that year, right? Just even just giving that advice of just sort of general, you know what? It usually has to be about a year before we consider things, right? Those secondary investigations and work. Yeah. And 80% is pretty close, uh, right on the mark. Um, so, but the flip side of that too is that, you know, at least 20% of couples are going to take longer than a year. Exactly. Um, and still, and still, so that's normal. There you go. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So even the year cutoff is a bit, you know, it's a bit, I won't say arbitrary, but even that, it's not like, oh, yes, if you're trying, then, you know, 99% of couples are going to conceive after a year. It's definitely not that high, right? Exactly. You know what I mean? And stuff, you're going to have 15 to 20% of couples that there's still nothing wrong, but it just takes a bit longer, right? Yeah. And with the caveat that, um, and, and this is in the SOGC recommendations as well. If, if they're over 35, you should start your own investigations a little bit earlier. So probably at yeah. six months. At and six if, months. Yeah. Yeah. And if they're, at, if they're over 40, um, and they're, they've come to you with questions around fertility, you should really refer right off the bat. And you exactly. can order concurrent investigations, but, um, you know, the, the key takeaway is that particularly female fertility declines pretty precipitously. After pretty precipitously. And, and you have to think about it. That's a very good point that you mentioned that, right? So we'll just basically, so above 35, right? We'll, we'll shorten it to six months. Does that make sense? Above 40, your your threshold to refer is going to be fairly low, right? Yeah, um, exactly. and, your fre and what does that mean in rural centers? Your threshold to do some of the investigations, you're not going to wait a year, right? Yeah, the vast absolutely. majority of people you are going to see are going to be under the age of 35, right? You know what I mean? So for the vast majority of people, the year is going to apply. Between 35 and 40, at least six months is going to apply, right? Yeah, um, exactly. At least six months is, is going to, um, is going to apply. Above 40, you're going to, if you're at a at set, you're going to refer and start, you know, start initiating your work. Perfect. Yeah, and, th and that's one of the key features too is, is uh, they specifically talk about reassurance for couples that are for Very earlier good. and haven't tried for a year. Cause otherwise we'd be investigating everybody. Everybody. Since, you know, exactly. everybody who's not pregnant within four months is within like, within oh, four months. Is this, is this working? Like, what are we? Are exactly. we doing it right? <laughs> Are we doing it right? Brady, yeah. you're <laughs> No, and, and that's the kind of thing, and, and, you know, it was great, you know, speaking to the people from the Choosing Wisely campaign, like, and, and I, you know, I'm, I'm really 
into that. Like we have to make sure, because remember a lot of these tests are going to be blood tests, right? Are going to be certain investigations. And remember with every investigation, you're going to have false positive, false negative rates. Does that make sense? So you're going to have people that are going to be perfectly normal, that are going to get an investigation after three months, right? And potentially inappropriately, and it's going to be off, and it's going to lead them now to a consultation. It's going to lead them now to potentially other more invasive investigations and necessarily not affecting. So what are some invest? So again, you know, we're going to say, make sure, you know, you're going to do the, so I always say it's a good idea, you know, quit smoking. Does that make sense? Like, like yeah. general lifestyle stuff is going to yeah. be good as well too. You know what I mean? And stuff to, to be able to, uh, to be able to recommend. Right. So probably not yeah. a good time to join the, I'm going to drink a lot of Jack Daniels club, you know, and I'm going to start smoking. Right. And, and you want to basically, I, I find a lot of things, it's really history, right? Like history exactly. can give you a lot of information. So like you mentioned, you know, there's male factors and female factors. So what are some like historical points? Points, Dr. Brady Bouchard, that you're going to want to see. Yeah, so the, so there's uh, kind of four ways I, ha I break it up into my head. So the male factor is actually pretty simple, and, and very I'm good. Sh I, I'm sure there's a joke in there, but um, oh, wah, 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 <laughs> Dr. Yeah, Brady yeah. Bouchard. But essentially, the, the the key male question is, have you had kids with a previous partner? Very good. You'd be shocked how many times that shows up on Sue, and people don't get that, right? Yeah, and exactly. that can help you. Oh yeah, with my previous partner, I had no problems. Does that make sense? And that was two yeah. years ago. That right. is a really, remember to ask that question, right? Yeah, it's a beautiful question. Um, the other male uh, things on history is pretty much anything that's gone on down there. So if they had uh, crypt orchidism, if they've had uh, gyne oh, surgery, yeah. or gyne, um, urological surgery, if they've had uh, chemo or ra radiation to that area, yeah. um, you know, any structural abnormalities, that sort of yeah. thing. Obviously, vasectomy is another exactly. question. That so, does come up, right? Yeah, exactly. There we go. Um, that one's pretty simple for, uh, for the ladies, you can split it up into kind of structural and then hormonal. So right. the, the key questions are around ovulation. So, uh, asking them questions to determine whether they're ovulating regularly. Um, and that's particularly around how regular their menses are, um, right. and symptoms of, um, you know, PMS symptoms, regular symptoms that they get throughout the cycle. And then asking about PICO symptoms as well. Right. And then uh, structural abnormalities. So uh, essentially issues with the sperm getting up. Where they need to get to, my friend, the fallopian. Yeah, exactly. So if, have they had a previous ectopic? Have they had gynae surgery? Um, have they had multiple uh, STIs or pelvic inflammatory disease? Exactly. Um, that is very important for both, right? For males yeah. and females, right? So previous history yeah. of infection, um, yeah. um, that is very, very important. Yeah, and and then honestly, on that first visit, um, I would be doing STI screening just because yeah. we're supposed to be doing it opportunistically, anyways. Yeah. Um, and it's a it's a good thing to rule out if they have an ongoing STI, one of them. Yeah. Um, so those are the kind of, so structural and hormonal for for the ladies, and then the the combined issues, so the sex issues. So how frequently are you having sex? Timing around sex. What are you using for contraception? Which you laugh, but some people are. Hey, I've had that still, before. It's like yeah. some people are still using condoms, and I don't, I don't know. Um, or, or the one I've had is a lady that was still getting her depot shot and didn't, it didn't really click. Um, um, and and, and we as well, right? Like so yeah, exactly. Like and as an aside, um, at least in my personal experience, uh, the depot shot takes at least a year to get fertility back. So yeah, um, if they've been on the depot in the last year, um, that's totally normal. Yeah, um, and then the other thing, which I, I'll be honest, I rarely ask about, but should is uh, lubricants because um, yeah. they can slow spermatotic. 
Exactly. I love that. I love that. You know what? I, I think it encapsulates a lot of good points from Brady Bouchard, the encapsulator. Um, um, and I like the fact you broke it down into male and female factors. And I like yes. your little structural as well as hormonal, right? Yeah. And I, I, I think, remember with men too, there's also hormonal causes, right? So if it's yeah. like, hi, I have bitemporal hemianopsia, right? And I've been noticing, <laughs> you, know, you understand? Yeah, like, yeah. You're probably absolutely. gonna have issues as, as well, right? Um, 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 so again, you know, those hormonal male causes, you know, on history can be important as well, right? Um, um, those those hormonal causes on, on, on history as, as well. So I like that idea. There's kind of hormonal causes and then there's structural causes and then there's kind of, can egg get to sperm physically in the right way? Does that make sense? Like, can yeah, they, exactly. are they physically able to, 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 to get in close proximity to one another? Right. Um, yeah. Um, so yeah, so definitely. And uh, um, so hormonal causes and structural causes, that's it. And your history is important, right? You'd be shocking how many times you can pick up something on history, right? Oh, yeah. look, you, you know, I've had patients that you diagnose them like it's because of infertility. And then you realize, wow, you're having a lot of PCOS symptoms, right? You know what I mean? And stuff. Yeah, and exactly. maybe that's a cause, right? Um, 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 or, or wow, there's something else going on, right? So your history is vitally, vitally important, right? This is one thing that I would really take time to make sure you're doing a good history, right? It's very tempting just to go and say, let's just get it to a day 21 progesterone. Let's just get a day three FSH. Let's just start going nuts with prolactins and TSHs like we're mad, right? And it's not to say that that's bad, but I'm just saying that you have to take a good history, right? It'd be shocking. Yeah. It's like that question of, hi, my previous partner, we had no difficulty conceiving. Does that make sense? And that was a short distance ago and I don't have a history of that. Well, then if it's, if it's the issue, maybe it's, maybe it's related to the other partner, right? So even your historical element can really, um, 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 can, 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 uh, can, can help you out a lot. So spend the time, folks, and get a good history. And I like the Dr. Brady Bouchard approach. There's structural, right? Like, uh, a structural injury, infection, et cetera, et cetera. And then there's hormonal causes, right? With both sexes. Beautiful. Then the other things, um, that's a little bit of history and a little bit of counseling is, um, preconception counseling. So at this first visit, especially if you're not going to do immediate investigations and refer. Very good. Just talking to them. So you, so you have your normal pre, you know, preconception counseling for couples who aren't worried about infertility, but things that I would add on. Um, so especially if they're getting up in age, so, you know, 35, 40 ish, doing concurrent investigations and asking questions around, um, conditions that are comorbid and might be contributing. Yeah. So, high blood pressure, diabetes, exactly. Um, Cardiovascular risk factors. Yeah, yeah. If they're over 35, I'd probably do an ultrasound, honestly, right off the bat, um, particularly looking for PCOS. Yeah. Um, at that stage, if there was anything that you picked up on history, uh, talking about ovulation tracking, um, that they can choose to do if they want, um, especially if they ha if the lady's having irregular menses. Mm -hmm. Um, so there's basal temperature method. Um, there's the ovulation predictor kits that you can buy. They're a little bit expensive. Yeah, um, yeah. Or you can check for changes in cervical mucus. There you go. And if they're having regular menses um, or if they're going to use the ovulation track uh, tracking, talking about um, when to when is the best time to get pregnant. So 14 days before the next period, if it's if exactly. regular. If it's um, regular, that's the thing. Yeah, yeah, if it's regular. And, and three, so that's ovulation. Three days yeah. before that, and the SOJC also says two days afterwards is kind of the best period. The best time, yeah. Um, best time to get pregnant. Exactly. Yeah, so if they're not going to do any particular effort around timing intercourse, just making sure that they hit that interval. Um, exactly. Kind of reduces be... spontaneity a bit, but, you know, if people want to get pregnant, you got to work at it sometimes. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. And I, and I think... That 
I think that's a point you ever want to mention is that you don't want people to get too freaked out about this, right? Like, it's like, oh yeah. my God, I have to, you understand? Like, that's yeah. not what this is about, right? Like, this is about um, providing people with that knowledge so they know, okay, this is hormonally when I'm I'm the most fertile. Does that make sense? Where eggs exactly. are available, right? Or an egg is available and stuff. Because it also mentions that you want to make sure that you're not adding undue extra stress on people, right? By saying, yeah. you have to, you know what I mean? Because- that is not good as well. Yeah, no, that's a really good point, Mike. And actually, it should it should be one of the key features, yeah. and it's not included in there. But around stress, and and particularly, they talk about if if the infertility goes on to need intervention, especially special inter- intervention. The most common reason um, to quit fertility treatments or to 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 kind of give up for for lack of a it's, better term, it isn't money. It's stress. On the it's couple. stress, and that's why I mentioned. When you think about it, if you're going to be dealing and you're going to be ending up on clomiphene, and and this is a stressful situation, right? So you don't want to start the whole process with just this high stress situation. And I'm glad you mentioned that point. That's the big cause, right? People are like, this is insane, right? And you want to keep that in mind, right? Where, yes, we're providing information on kind of physiology, right? And trying to um, inform people from a physiologic standpoint, when's the best time. But we're not saying, oh my God, you know what I mean? And stuff, you better do it at this time, at this particular thing, or, you know, we're providing that information, right? Because remember, everybody's different, right? Yeah, and no, and normalizing it, because it, it definitely leads to a lot of interpersonal or, or intercouple um, stress. Problems, and, and, exactly. And conflict. Yeah. Exactly, exactly, right? So, and, and that's not good either, right? So I think we have to be, as clinicians, be cognizant of that. Uh, other things uh, to talk about when counseling, specifically um, if you're questioning infertility, so weight loss if they're obese for ladies. Perfect. You know, it always says obese, which is BMI over 30. Yeah. Um, almost all of the women that I see who are trying to get pregnant are are around 30 or over that. I mean, I mean, everybody is these days. Yeah. So, um, you know, really it's, it's morbid obesity. Like exactly. You know, if, if you're so obese that you're getting, you know, hormonal changes or metabolic syndrome or you right. know, you're not ovulating properly, um, right. that's when you need that weight loss. Uh, exactly. avoiding, avoiding drugs and alcohol, which is your normal preconception counseling too, but particularly marijuana, um, which I, didn't, which I didn't know about before. Um, yeah. but it actually yeah. does have some quasi hormonal effects right because remember marijuana has been associated with things like gynecomastia before right so um um so exactly peripheral aromatization that they talk about as well too that affecting you know levels of androgens and estrogens you don't need to affect these things by very much to actually impact outcomes you do not need to affect these uh these levels of hormones by really that much yeah yeah exactly um marijuana blocks the release of gnrh so exactly um avoiding nsaids um you know pre uh preconception it can block oocyte release um yeah. and then what we talked about before avoiding uh, lubricants um yeah that, exactly that slow sperm and down. what bit of preconceptional counseling do you always want to make sure i don't know it's about it's about i don't know a vitamin that when people do oftentimes we forget about it yeah absolutely been focusing on the fact that they haven't been able to get pregnant and then most of the time they do and you're like oh crap yeah, we forgot that one. So there folate, you go, uh, Brady Bouchard. Yeah, absolutely. So the normal pregnancy counseling should definitely include folate. Um, and yeah, don't forget it if you're talking just don't forget it, right? Focus on it. Um, exactly. Po- 0.4 milligrams a day um, for women who aren't at high risk. I've always ignored that, and I don't even have the risk factors in my head because there's no harm in giving a milligram a day. To a everybody. milligram is just easier. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, so every, and actually most of the vitamins have a milligram in them now. So exactly, exactly. And, and you want to just make sure that you remember folate, because remember a lot of people are going to get pregnant because they followed your excellent, the Brady Bouchard, excellent pregnancy advice, right? You know what I mean? And stuff. And you've done a perfect history and physical examination and you're good to go. You don't want to be caught with, Oh crap. I forgot to give you the folic acid, right? Um, exactly. And I knew you were trying to get, uh, and I knew you were trying to get pregnant. So just, just keep that in mind. That's something that I always used to find that I used to forget, right? And you kind of end up with sort of medical egg on your face, right? But yeah, a bunch. And the other thing I would do um, that I've started to get into the habit of, because it's easy to do in our setting here at least, um, is to do a pregnancy test at that first visit. Yeah. Um, because some couples are already pregnant and don't know it. Don't know it. Yeah. And then you can avoid a whole conversation and some stress. And there you, you go. can just go on to your normal uh, prenatal test or prenatal uh, consult. There you go. There you go. No, no, no. It's, it's very, very true. So let's say, okay, so you've done your, you've done your history. You've done your physical exam. You've done all your preconception sort of counseling. You've gotten folic acid. You've taken this amazing history and physical examination. You've, 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 dominated everything possibly and let's say it's a year and a half people are still trying what are you going to do right now lovely so i'm going to write that referral note to the specialist and there you I'm go exactly and, and turn <laughs> off your brain no, just, <laughs> <laughs> and order turn investigations at the same time right note to specialist right exactly there we go. Yeah, <laughs> i like that's it the, brain goes off and specialist there you go right that's the that's the answer for the exam is referring there to you specialist. go exactly <laughs> turn off brain and write yeah. specialist consult right no, really, Bouchard, Dr. Brady Bouchard, what are we going to do? What are we going to consider? We've done amazing history, physical examination. We've done preconception counseling. People are, 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 are doing what they're supposed to do. The, all the historical points are pointing to, 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 to we, we can't pick up. There's no hormonal. There's nothing structural that we see. We've done STI testing. Everything is basically come back nil. Right. Right. Exactly. And it's now you have a 28 year old and a 30 year old. They're under 35, otherwise healthy. And you're like, WTF, what's going on? It's now a year, year and two months, three months. What are you going to do, Dr. Bouchard? WTF. So so the male, inve so again, male, female investigations. Good. Um, male investigations are easy. So you want to get a semen analysis. And Very good. If, if it's abnormal, you want to repeat it again. Very good. Probably in a month or two. Um, Very good. It's pretty common for uh, most guys to have one abnormal semen analysis, so you need to repeat yeah. it. Um, I, I would repeat it before referring as well, because the specialist is just going to re repeat it. Very good. So semen analysis are kind of like um, urine microalbumin levels. Like you never just want to base your studies on just one, right? Yeah, exactly. So you do one, and then if it's abnormal, you do it again, right? Just yep. like we do for A1Cs and a lot of things in medicine, we don't just trust a single value, right? Yeah. So that's the first question. Do a semen analysis. What are you going to get in your semen analysis? You're going to get volume, motility, all morphology, those types of those types of indices, right? Yeah, to be able exactly. to, to be able to be able to do an assessment or so. But you want to just you never just end it at one just one, right? You want to make sure that you repeat it if it's abnormal. Yeah, absolutely. Perfect. Um, female investigation. So again, we're talking about uh, structural or anatomical, and then hormonal. So uh, hormone profile that Mike already touched on. So day three FSH, LH, perfect uh, estradiol. Um, prolactin, and then TSH as well. Perfect. And what's that based. testing for, Dr. Brady Bouchard? Yeah. So, what is that looking for? Right. So FSH and LH are looking for premature ovarian failure. 
Perfect. So if does the person have premature, so there's there's no more release of any eggs, right? So you're gonna have yeah. still high levels of these hormones when you've just released an egg. You know, if if you get that back on the hormone profile, I would refer, you know, right away and and hope that um, you know, there's some eggs still left that, that the specialist can harvest and and exactly and can either stimulate or do IVF with, but right. um, pretty devastating when that happens. It uh, does. Yeah, TSH. So your, your FS- oh. oh yeah, I'm sorry. So your FSH um, your LH levels and your estradiol talk about premature ovarian failure. Just remember the physiology, folks. Um, remember your first 14 days. So that's your follicular phase, right? And then what ends up happening, that's when you get a lot of FSH and LH and estradiol. Does that make sense? So estrogen. And then you get, when you ovulate, let's say at around day 14, what's after you ovulate? That's your corpus luteum and that produces progesterone, right? So remember the physiology, it's kind of the estrogenic phase at first and then the progesterogenic phase, right? And the progesterogenic phase is usually the phase that's normally fixed. So if you ovulate, you get a corpus luteum and your corpus luteum makes progesterone and that usually lasts 14 days. If you're not ovulating, you don't have a corpus luteum. If you don't have a corpus luteum, you don't have a lot of progesterone, right? So that keeps that in sort of mind. Um, um, At day three, your FSH and LH are still supposed to be relatively high. Does that make sense? If they're ultra, ultra high, then it could um, it, uh, um, it means that your brain is trying to stimulate your ovaries. Does that make sense? And it's not happening, right? In primary ovarian failure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, TSH is kind of obvious. So hypo or hyperthyroid, because that can affect everything in your body. Right. Um, and then prolactin as well, which will suppress ovulation. Um, Excellent. If you have that uh, temporal hemianopia, bitemporal Fair. hemianopia. There you go. There you go. So prolactin levels too. Prolactin um, antagonizes sex sterols peripherally. So that's why they think it it, it causes um, issues. And it's important to realize, like if you speak to fertility doctors, it does not take that much to totally change your fertility. Like a yeah, change sure. of 2% in some of these hormone levels can go from fertile to infertile, right? Yeah. So like they are ve- like things have to happen in a very finite range if they're not within that range you end up with problems right so just keep that in mind because you might think oh this is not too bad and it can actually be a big big issue right so a huge huge uh, a huge huge issue right so you got some prolactin you got some tsh you're doing fsh you're doing lh um day three you're doing your estradiol level to see where your estrogen levels are at early on in the uh in the cycle what else are you going to do to test that progesterone phase so then you can differentiate between whether they're having regular cycles or not so if they're having regular cycles um you actually don't need to include the uh, prolactin because the whole point of prolactin is it's going to suppress your normal ovulation um and if they're having regular cycles though um then you want to get a day 21 also known as a mid luteal progesterone perfect Um, perfect. and and not necessarily day 21 what it is 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 it's day minus seven so it's first day of the next period minus seven Exactly. Um, so somebody with an extended cycle of, you know, say 30 days is actually going to be a day 23 progesterone. Exactly. Exactly. And, and that's looking for exactly what Mike was talking about. That's looking for that luteal phase spike in progesterone. from Perfect. Uh, and you get progesterone from a corpus luteum and you get corpus luteum because you just ovulated. So if you're not ovulating, you get no corpus luteum and hence your progesterone levels are going to be low. So it may suggest that you're getting anovulatory cycles. So the first way you pick up anovulation is, you know, on history, if they're not having yeah. regular cycles, if they're not having um, cyclical symptoms, um, especially if they were having them before. Second way you pick it up is that missing that progesterone spike. Yeah, exactly. So Perfect. There you go, handling it like a pro. Second thing, um, after the uh, talk about hormones, you talk about structural. So 
uh, yeah. pelvic pelvic exam, you know, goes exactly. with anything gynae, you know, especially looking for structural abnormalities that are obvious on a speculum or or binannual exam, and uh, then pelvic ultrasound. So in one of the references I saw, you don't actually order a pelvic ultrasound up front. Yeah. We always do, because it's a yeah. pretty, you know, it's not a hard test to get. Exactly, exactly. And I feel like it can give you more information than... Perfect. And we tend, like, we tend to get them as well, too. Like, like you know, um, yeah, we tend to get them as well and stuff. Like, just a quick pelvic ultrasound, just to kind of see anatomically what's happening, right? Yeah, you exactly. Know? And, and they can, um, I mean, you can uh, yeah. see the follicles on the on the ovaries as well. You can see whether they... Yeah. And just keep in mind as well, too, you don't necessarily... Like, different guidelines and different international associations have different sort of guidelines for PCOS, right? You don't yeah. necessarily need to have ultrasound findings of just a whole lot of immature follicles to have a diagnosis necessarily of PCOS, right? Like, yeah. it, like not necessarily. It can suggest it, but it doesn't necessarily require it to necessarily make the diagnosis. Yeah, exactly. You actually only need two of the, the three symptoms or two of the three criteria, I should say. So that's, you know, the ultrasound findings is one of them, but you don't necessarily need yeah. that if you have the other two, which is, you know, yeah. anovulatory cycles, and, uh, and hyperandrogenism. Yeah, and the hyperandrogenism. There you go. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, so yeah, but for other structural stuff, you know, it can be an ultrasound is going to be um, is going to be good. So yeah, that's your that's your that's your part of your workup, including and you've probably done this before because again, remember for episodic testing for STIs as well, STIs as well, right? Yeah. So yeah, keep you'd, that, re that. you'd repeat them because this is yeah. this is uh, what six six months a year down the road after you reassure you them go. and they're back being like. We still can't get pregnant. Those are the first line investigations for infertility. And I'd have yeah. to say that if you manage to uh, hit all of those points and they're all normal and your couple's still not getting pregnant, I think most specialists would be super happy to hear from you. Excellent. At that point. Well, I think it's good to add like, like, you know, for PCOS, right? Because that's very common, right? Yeah. And remember, we already mentioned that, you know, part of your kind of tier one management is going to be, you know, lifestyle modification. And if you're morbidly obese or obese, weight loss can be beneficial, right? Because yeah. you can actually, you can actually, um, 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 that's one of the recommendations, right? Like if you are, if you are obese to see about weight loss, right? That can actually improve your hormonal profile, right? They think it's because adipose tissue can actually, it causes this thing called peripheral aromatase right so it converts exactly. androgens to estrogens so you need like the right balance of these things in order to get pregnant and if you have a lot of adipose tissue it affects the balance of these of these hormones right so um, um it affects the balance of these uh, of these hormones or so right so something that you want to see so kind of the tier one is your lifestyle modification your history your physical examination you're giving it a year that type of thing and stuff um, um sti testing you know tier two is you're kind of looking for biochemical evidence of of of, of anovulation or premature ovarian failure, right? And then kind of tier three investigations are kind of your karyotype um, visual uh, uh, um, um, and visualization, you know, your hysteral salpingogram, right? Yeah. Um, um, and then, you know, a lot of the times though, you know, PCOS comes up, right? Like I've had situations where, you know, um, I've counseled um, I'm couples on infertility and, you know, it's clear, you know, as we're kind of progressing through the tiers that, uh, that um, we're dealing with PCOS. Right. And that's actually the the the, the what is going on. Right. Yeah. Um, so I think it's a good time to kind of say how that affects 
infertility, right? Like, and, yeah, and what are some of the interventions that you can, that you can consider, right? Yeah. For let's say if the person has PCOS, right? Because that's a, that's a very common diagnosis, right? Um, um, and it's something that likely you're going to encounter as a family doctor. And it's not, and you will likely encounter, um, someone who is, um, um, who is having, um, 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 fertility issues and you end up making the diagnosis of PCOS or they have pre-existing PCOS that you know about and they say, I want to get pregnant. I hear I'm not having a hard time, right? So yeah, what no. are so, so what are some of the um, what are some of the interventions or what are some of the things that you can do? Yeah, so a lot of this parallels to metabolic syndrome in general. Exactly. The weight reduction. So I mean, let's be realistic. Nobody loses weight. Okay, right. Some people lose weight, but nobody loses weight. But but then ready to be sure your faith in man is really like deplorable right now. <laughs> yeah, I know. I hope exactly. that gets edited out of the podcast. Your faith <laughs> in like good. you're like. Brady Bouchard, no one really lives. Like, like, hey, Brady uh, Bouchard, have more faith in humanity. The, the optimistic side is the same thing in metabolic syndrome, is there's good evidence that just uh, modest weight loss. So, like, 5 to 10% in both metabolic syndrome and PCOS um, can reverse the symptoms. And so, in exactly. P in PCOS, the symptoms are, you know, irregular cycles that, and ovulatory cycles. Yeah. And that can, you know, you can. Uh, restore fertility just from that first step. Up. And I think that's a good point to point out is that like, this is not, you know, that you have to lose 120 pounds and go down to a side. You understand? Like yeah. this is, this is a very modest weight loss can actually produce big effects, right? For both. And, and they've actually done studies on that too with metabolic syndrome, that weight loss is actually probably better than medications, right? You know what I mean? If you're able to keep off the weight, right? And actually lose the weight, right? Yeah, if you're able to actually um, um, lose the weight, the same thing for, for PCOS. So lifestyle modification is, is really beneficial, right? You know what I mean? And, 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 and our patients need to be aware of that or so. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, al along with the weight loss, so especially if you're Morbidly obese, um, and yep. every province has different criteria for it. But uh, bariatric surgery is reasonable. Very as well good. If they've been, yeah. I so know, remember, kind of and now bariatric surgery—it's moving up in that. You know, one of our top 100 topics is, is obesity. We're talking about that. Like, it's—it's it's definitely getting more prominent in its algorithm as time goes on, right? Like, bariatric surgery used to be way down there, almost viewed as this almost like terminal event, right? Yeah. And now you're starting a scene where it's moving up. You know what I mean? And stuff. Exactly. We're kind of front-loading management in certain patient populations to include that as a viable option. Yeah, well, I think a lot of the pushback has been around um, the funding bodies for it. Exactly, exactly. But yeah, for diabetes and for all a whole bunch of stuff, it is a it is a definitely a viable, uh, definitely a viable alternative in the appropriately selected patients. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, exactly. Um, I went to that. Um, there was a talk around obesity at uh, FMF actually, and there's e there's even studies that in you know modestly obese, so BMI is over thirty, um, but under oh, thirty five, yeah. so which is you know half the population, um, that even bariatric surgery in that uh, cohort improves outcomes, like exactly. long, long term outcomes for diabetes, long term and, outcomes and stuff. Yeah. Exactly, especially for diabetes, and 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 that's what they're saying too now is that for an appropriate so, um, um, selected patient population, especially with diabetes, you know it can be an event which can significantly impact the management of that diabetes, right? Like significantly beneficial to that uh, to that uh, patient in the appropriately managed uh, patient. Basically, it's it's deciding what route, like what is type of area. Are we doing a sleeve? Are we doing this? Are we doing endoscope? You understand? And we could have a whole podcast just on that. You know what I mean? And we yeah. probably will, right? But there the key thing is, is that weight loss is and lifestyle modification is important in PCOS for both um, um, the metabolic dysregulation that you can see, but also for restoring fertility. And we have good evidence for that, right? So that should be something that's first line. Yep. Perfect. You know, first line uh, drug options. I see a lot of ladies be 
uh, being put Met, on metformin. Metformin, my man. So yeah. very, very good. So that's something that a family doctor can provide as well, too, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, um, oftentimes we'll consult, uh, um, 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 you know, we'll speak to the fertility doctors and stuff, but definitely combined with some lifestyle modification, um, definitely a consideration for metformin. And again, you know what I mean? Um, adipose tissues, estrone, peripheral aromatization, it can affect, and even just a small change in the level of these hormones can impact fertility. Yeah, and the nice thing is that uh, metformin has uh, growing evidence of safety throughout pregnancy as well. So. Exactly, exactly. So that would that would be something that as a rural family doctor, and again, I can only comment on a rural family doctor. You know, I don't work in a city. Uh, you know, that'd be something I'd be, I don't know how you feel about this, Brody, but that'd be something I would be comfortable with doing, right? Yeah, you know what absolutely. I mean? so like, let's, let's talk about met, met, metformin while we, while we do that. It's going to take months for you to see that specialist. We might as well try some things in the meantime, right? Exactly. So, Yep. Yeah, perfect. Oh, beautiful. Excellent. Now, what else can we do, Brady? So let's say metformin is an option as well. Um, we have aggressive lifestyle modification. Um, and part of that um, uh, um, 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 weight loss and part of that modality of weight loss can be bariatric surgery in an appropriately selected patient. Yep. Um, um, metformin as well. Is there another medication that we can consider giving as well? Uh, well, I was just going to say along with metformin, I'd actually throw in screening for diabetes at this point too. Oh yeah, definitely. Brady Bouchard, you are a thin, exact. Uh, you, you know, if they have PCOS there, they got the metabolic effects that, um, you know, they could have the normal metabolic syndrome as well. There you go. There you go. Very, very good. Very, very good and stuff. So yeah, yeah. No, no, that's a, that's a very, very good point. Yep. Perfect. Uh, next medication I'd throw in, um, clomiphene is obviously the next step. Yeah. Yeah, so for ovulation induction, right? Yeah, you know, exactly. so um, I've done it on a couple of occasions. Um, you, you know, I've done it on a couple of occasions. Some, some, there's some, uh, um, um, and usually I do it at that point when you know you're speaking to the fertility doctor at that point with clomiphene. Yeah. The time and most of the time it's like hi, you know, this person has a consultation with you in nine and a half months. You know what I mean and stuff. Or um, can we consider using some clomiphene? Or is this the type of patient that I could we could try some ovulation induction in with some clomiphene and stuff? So um, yes, you know, I think as a family doctor. If you have appropriate guidance by this, and if you feel comfortable, that's some that's a medication that, in the appropriate uh, uh, um, um, in the appropriate setting, can be appropriate to use. Beautiful. I think Perfect. Touched, I think we touched on it all, unless you had other things to add. I think I think that's good. And remember, we could spend a whole hour talking about different things that are available at fertility clinics for you know. Um, 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 but I, I think that's in the realm of the fertility specialist and stuff, and that's a bit beyond the scope of what we're talking about here. Nice work, Mike. Awesome, and signing off, Canada. Later, dude. Right. Bye, bye. bye.